Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name is Eric. With me is my co-host, Ray. Hello. And my co-host, Robert. Wow. And Robert, we have a special guest on the show. Who we have today? Well, we can actually thank Ray for inviting him on the show because of the fact that I think this is the first major viewing that we've had of Lisa Votan in an actual major with an ending record of four and two. His name is Kevin Clow, hopefully I pronounce that right because I'm totally forgetting how it's spelled. Yeah, like my name is Kevin. So how you guys doing? We're doing good. Glad to have you here. Yep, it was definitely exciting to see an actual Votan record popping up with a positive ending score that wasn't just at an RTT with people going three and zero with proxy land buses. Yep, it it was actually in SoCal, my so high, dramatically bad. Yeah, we're going to get a full rundown with Kevin in depth, both on the list and his experiences during the game. Uh, one thing we wanted to go over, though, is there was a lot of news right before SoCal related to the tournament circuit. And uh, the first big announcement coming from uh, Frontline Gaming, they announced all their events for 2023, and uh, it's a pretty full calendar. So right off the bat, let's go over that. Uh, Las Vegas opened, which, of course, the ends the 2022 season is January 26th to the 29th. That following February, uh, the 24th to the 26th, they're bringing the Cherokee uh, Open back. A new event then is added to the roster. March 11th and 12th is the Rocky Mountain Open, which is going to be in Denver. Bay Area Open, the one that started all, is May 27th and 28th. Atlantic City Open is back June 16th through the 18th. Lone Star Open in July of 23rd and excuse me, 22nd and 23rd. Cruise Hammer uh, August 13th through the 20th. Yes, that's a full week at sea. Uh, September, there's still an event. It is uh, to be announced. It's listed as a surprise as well as the actual date for next year's uh, SoCal. So uh, we'll talk about uh, this previous SoCal, but next year's event is still up in the air. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts? That's a pretty full calendar. What do you think? Well, I am actually really excited because I've gone at least half of those. I am going to be sad that it does look like the September event is taking over what would have been the Las Vegas team tournament. Because if we're going by color code, that should have been an orange event because Lone Star is red, and then they have a yellow one right next to it. But anyway, so it'll probably end up being a singles event, which I know most people prefer doing because team events are a lot more in-depth and need more scheduling. But overall, it is an incredibly packed schedule. I think the only two months that they don't have any events is November and December for the sake of LVO, two months after SoCal. Yeah, exactly. Uh Kevin obviously did a little bit of traveling for this event coming from Vegas to SoCal. Uh, what's on your mind for next year? Uh, my next... So personally, I work for Frontline. My free time is basically... Um, I run their booth and Vegas. So yeah, that's for next year. Okay. Right. You don't venture too far out of the, the confines of our great state. Uh, any of those catch your eye? Would you be the destination? I'm not sure right now. Um, my schedule is a little wonky, so... Planning things too far in advance can be kind of... Ideally, I would like to be able to make at least one of these kind of events, but we'll have to see how... I'm looking at this as well. What's not on this list, keep in mind, you got the the Venerables from the uh, Independent Circuit, so you still have Adepticon mixed in in there, and uh, you also have uh, Nova, which is technically in September as well, so probably slot between that August and September event. And of course, we don't have GW scheduled for next year, so that's probably 
at least three events. So theoretically, uh, you could go to all these events and uh, rack up some points and not even have to touch your local art. Yeah, that is very true. But there is something to be said about, I know with my updating schedule at my job, that's going to be starting up soon. Me playing ahead for the entire year is going to be advantageous as long as anything doesn't go wrong. (laughs) So for the people that are listening here, knock on an imaginary piece of wood if you can find it. I plan on trying to go to the Rocky Mountain Open and then try to make it to Lone Star and then to try and make it to SoCal. Sounds like a pretty viable plan. I'm looking at similar. So because the summer months makes it a little easier, the kids are out of school, so I might be able to do something, especially with the Atlantic City one. I might lump that into a uh, touring of colleges while I'm on the Northeast side of things. So we'll take a look at that as well. But uh, this wasn't the only news. So there were some rumors floating around, and um, Kevin, you don't need to comment on these since you're an employee of FLG, but the rumor floating around, according to Spiky Bits, is that if you're the winner of any of these events, you will get special treatment in the Las Vegas Open for 2024. And some are theorizing may even include a first round buy. And it's not exactly clear what that would be a 100 point win or a 70 point win based on the current ITC. I, I was thinking about this. We've talked about seeding in the past and making sure the top players have an easier path to victory in the later rounds. Is this a, is a first round buy a big enough advantage? I. I think so. Like, I honestly didn't know that that place, <laughs> like, no one tells me any of that stuff at all. Like, I don't think Frank forgets. Like, <laughs> you just forget. I, I honestly don't know, dude. But, um, advantage, maybe actually buy a ticket or have to actually hurry to get one. That's actually an important point. I forgot about that. That's yeah, the, getting a ticket is half the struggle sometimes. And, uh, so you're, you're guaranteed a ticket in. Um, I was just looking, normally, like, like a five round tournament, or, you know, first round buy, huge. The LVO is, I think, nine, not counting the shadow round. So that's what I'm thinking. First round is kind of, it's not exactly getting to the head of the line, but it's still, I guess, one less chance for a loss. I'm not sure. Right. Well, we put into, no, you're fine, Kevin. When, when you put it into perspective, you have a first round win. That first round win gives you a flat 70 if we're doing the current average for GT Mix. That 70 will instantly throw you into the bigger pond of going against someone that's 1-0, which, okay, you have an excuse. You don't have to wake up at 8 in the morning to make it to round 1 so you can sleep in. But, I mean, that also disincentivizes some people for, like, why do I have to play one extra game when that guy doesn't? Sure, that guy won an event, but this is also a test of skill of this is for winning the biggest event in the entire circuit. So everyone should be on the same playing field, but I'm biased because I like everyone starting on the same playing field. And if you run to a shark, you run to a shark. That's that's neither here nor there. Well, here's another angle. A tournament like LVO, there's so many people that even going into the last couple rounds of day two, you've got a crap ton of people who are going to be, you know, 4-0, and 5-0, and depending on what round it is. If your first round was a buy of 70, you're not going to be that high. So if you got that buy, you're probably not looking at, you know, being in the final couple rounds on day three. Because those are, that's going to, that's pretty much going to be for the people who've got near 100 point games each round. We saw that with this one. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point because you're already starting with, uh, with a lazy 70 is what I'm going to call it. So you, (laughs) so you, you're having to play up to someone who, Okay, they're round one. They got a ninety-five to a ninety-five to a seventy-six because they played that hard to get that high. I guess that is a another angle that 
yeah, a first round buy at LVO if you win any of the other FLG events could theoretically make sense and be totally worth it because it makes you play that much harder in all your other games to make up for that 30 point deficit. I see that as a, like you get, but then you don't get more battle example. SoCal will get like a table that's like an easy 97 stout boost. So skyrocket foul points. To so I'm going to throw a, a crazy idea. This is not anywhere in the rumors. This is me just speculating. But uh, having looked at other tournaments outside of 40k, what if we did this? If you win one of the events, you didn't get a you know, first round buy. You get a first day buy. You start. No. You get three and zero, and you start on day two. <laughs> yeah, that would be extreme. Where you just go, all right, cool. I won. Um, I won BAO. I'm automatically three and zero. I start with two hundred and ten points. Like whoop de doo, and then you run to someone like um, like John Lennon or Siegler, where they're like two hundred and ninety five points, and you're just like, "Welp, this sucks." The reason I got that that's actually what uh, World Poker does. So if you're on the poker championship and you're just like a schlub like me who plays on the weekend with the buddies and think you can cut it. Uh, you actually go like Thursday and Friday and have to win your way into the, the top part, whereas the pros on the circuit who already have their bracelet for winning another tournament, they, they're they in. You know, they're going to be there on Saturday for the, the rest. Uh, NASCAR does something similar. Their playoff system is uh, if you win a race, you're in. And then if they don't have 16 winners by the end of the season, 16 unique winners, it goes by points. And um, so there's incentivizing to go out and go to multiple events. So if I can win two or three of these, I'm stealing uh, playoff spots from potential competitors that way. And then they, of course, reseed based on points that you did during the regular season. So it's this is another way of going. And sure enough, that happened this year. Some some top racers who did not get a win missed the playoffs, and some schlub who got lucky on one one good weekend got in the playoffs. So. Yeah, there's a lot of up and down that could happen with this kind of rumor that exists. The The problem will be is how it's received by the... Because there are people like me where I want everyone to try their hardest to actually get to there. But then again, if you try so hard in the beginning of the season, like if I go and win um, like the Cherokee Open or something like that, I probably busted my butt to win that event. And now I have to continue trying to score as high as possible even though I know I'm going to be not having to play on Thursday of LVO because of the fact that I need my score to be so high to compensate for the points I'm not going to have from those first three games of LVO kind of deal. Let's see what they come up with. And then, like I said, it's, uh, it is from spiky bit. So take a deep breath. <laughs> it may not be real. So uh, we'll figure it out from there. It could just be a, like I said, uh, Frankie might doesn't even know about this. So maybe it's just a, a brainstorm that hasn't come to fruition. Uh, more news from official uh, channels, though. Uh, Games Workshop uh, unveiled a new Astro Militarum tank today. <coughs> it's um the wannabe Bane. No, I'm totally kidding. It's not. A, it's not another Baneblade chassis. It's the Rokul Dorn tank. So, I, I'm having a tough time getting an idea how big this thing is from the picture, but it seems like a little bigger than a Lehman Russ, smaller than a Baneblade. Does that seem about accurate? That reminds me, I have a picture to send to you. <laughs> I, I can actually sort of answer that question. It is bigger than a Lehman Russ. I do not have a comparison picture for a Bane Blade. Okay. I can give you this much. Yeah. But in the article looking at it, if you look at the top down view, it gives you an idea. The Lehman Russ doesn't have a turret large enough for. Th oh, wow. 
So Ray sent me this picture, which is great for radio. This is awesome, but thank you. It's significantly bigger. I'm just doing a quick hodgepodge. It's about four times the size. Of I would definitely say that um, if you were to have three Lehman Russes side by side, that's roughly the dimensions of this tank if you've got it sideways. Yeah, that's pretty. It's about two Lehman Russes wide, maybe three without tracks. Mm -hmm. and then, so yeah, if you took four Lehman Russes, that's where I'm coming up with it, and just put them like, like, a, like the number four on the die, that's about how size uh, this Rogel Dorn tank is. Oh, wow, that's pretty big. Wow. Okay, then. Yeah, and it's... If everything that's been supposedly leaked about the guard book from hearing about it from, like, Tactical Tortoise and other channels on YouTube is true, then the guard army is going to be incredibly shooty and incredibly obnoxious. Yeah, it seems that way, but it kind of goes with all the uh, codex creep we've seen so far yeah that's that's true there is one photo in the article though that kind of scares me of the rogaldorn tank it has the single big gun uh what looks like the punisher gatling cannon a, an auto cannon stubber another little stubber and then one two three four one two three four melta barrels probably six on the other sponson <laughs> yeah it's meant to be a replacement for like instead of taking like three or four lehman russes in an entire army you take two or three of these to make up for all of their shooting combined. I'm guessing that's how it's going to work out. I don't know. This, I'm still I'm still hung up on the uh, sixes to hit auto wound with last guns. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's going to go away. I hope that is actually not. Hush, hush. You didn't hear from us. <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm always hopeful that things are going to not maintain from an initial balance thing. But if they do carry over, like, for instance, if they debris a new Space Marine Codex right at the end of ninth edition, and it has armor of contempt built into it, then cool. The aren't the thing stays around, and they just have to put armor of contempt in the balance status slate for all the other armies that get it. And then yeah, last guns auto wounding on sixes. <laughs> Whoop de doo. Roll your bucket of dice at strength three. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, this. But yeah, if we get uh, space, I don't know. I'm, it's a whole other speculation. Uh, we'll get to that another time. <laughs> yeah, that's an entire can of worms. Yeah. But the uh, next one is a bit of a can of worms, but it is coming from official channels. Uh, Best Coast Pairings, uh, pretty much the author of every event that we talk about here, as well as several other events uh, outside of uh, this podcast. So beyond Warhammer 40,000, they do a lot with Star Wars. They do a lot with Magic the Gathering, are announcing a major revamp of the app, uh, including improvements to the Find event, uh, portion of it, uh, more previews so you can plan your events ahead of time through sponsored events. And then last but not least, they have a planning feature where you can log in and see what events are going to be held throughout the year and start scheduling and track your own points at home. So as well as they've already unveiled the new logo. So supposedly in the next two to three weeks, we should be seeing a whole new BCP app. So guys, anything that you want to see in that update? Well, at that point, you should be able to doodle and make happy feet i don't know it's bcp i only use it to keep track of my events the fact that i can potentially keep track of my own points at home sure it'll be nice but unless i can access the actual rankings for the faction that i'm playing that season, and be able to see how i continuously compare every week yeah it's gonna just be another event keeper for me okay. so there are two things i would like to see one uh is, honestly, they fix a problem I seem to have when it comes to looking at stuff on it, which is if I have it, if I close the app for a bit and I pull it back up, then for whatever reason, it doesn't want to work right. So I have to close it out completely. 
and then reopen the whole thing. The second thing is I would really like to see some sort of a way to actually see how the scores worked out. So, you know, we've got the, the, the Tabletop Battles app. Really cool if there is some way where you could, like, upload the image of the scorecard at the end. of So you can actually see, like, okay, well, this is how the game turned out. It's not just going to see, okay, this is how, how the, the points work. Yeah, you can see primary versus secondary. What, what rounds were the big rounds? That'd be really cool. Like faction tires that has this faction, like I think they need like a certain in there. If it's like, hey, but ain't chaos guys. I'm pretty sure they actually already have that feature in there. It just needs to be more refined. Yeah, like it. I just straight up couldn't find it, but I only use it like once ever. It's very hard to do because um, if you're in the event, there's you can only search by player name. But if you're searching by faction, you have to go all the way out of the event and then search for. I'm looking for this faction that's playing on these this range of dates and that's actually how we've been doing the um, mid-table obscurity uh, rankings I have to go each month and kind of do it by hand okay how did each faction do so it, but it's a pain in the butt it, it's not easy to work through at all and um, it'd be kind of cool if I'm looking at like if I was doing frontline doing like SoCal right now I just want to see how did orcs do we know we know how one of them did how did they do as a faction it'd be great just to click on a filter and see all the orc players from that particular event you can't do that. Yeah, and the if they could do a longer range of time, like for instance, Chaos Knights, I don't think we've seen Chaos Knights really pop up anywhere near the top 10 in like at least a solid month, I would want to. But we've seen Imperial Knight creeping up into like the top 10s every so often during that month. So seeing if there's a correlation of the chain. Yeah, that'd be kind of neat to see as well. Um, my two big things are, just from a tournament organizer standpoint, I still have no idea uh, exactly how I'm supposed to be doing appearance scores. So I feel bad for all those guys who are really serious about hobby track. I'm, I've been doing it the same way for a while. I hope it's right. I, <laughs> it seems to be working. I don't know. It's, it's really wonky. And uh, no, number two is I know why they don't do it. But... Um, it would make make our show a hell of a lot easier. Instead of sorting by faction, I love to sort by name of the player, uh, so I could say, "Hey, so John Lennon, uh, how's he done this year?" And just do a quick search and see every game that John Lennon's played. I know for privacy reasons they're not allowed to do that, but uh, I'd like to see a way they could get around that. So, yeah, maybe have someone figure up like a weird NDA thing that you can sign as an individual to let your scores be shared, that kind of thing. I don't know. But that'd be a humongous legal library. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Is they really just didn't want to deal with the, the library. But I think I think Ray hit it on the head with the uh, scorecard. I think that'd be a way in integrating that. So we'll look for those changes as they come out, and uh, what else they have to provide. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So... They're from RedDukeGames.com, and it will guide you through 78 
different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. In the meantime, let's dive into it. Yeah. Frontline Gaming SoCal Open 2022 is wrapped up. Uh, let's go over the top five and let's get into Kevin's games and get an understand how the brand new Lisa Votan are operating in real time. Yep. So at SoCal, the top five in fifth place, we have Junior Aflehi. I always hope I get his last name <laughs> right. I feel bad every time I think I say it wrong, but he was playing Blood Angels. He went five and one. In fourth place, we have Marshall Peterson, a name that has been popping up on a regular basis with Necrons. And his score is just obnoxious. <laughs> in third place, we have Scott LaFontaine with Levent, with High Fleet Viathan. In second place, we have Matthew Green with Tyranids. And in first place, drumroll, please, Ooh. because we got our own Smite Club member of Ben Jurek saying he is the official war boss now, taking first place undefeated with Goffs. Yeah, congratulations, Ben. Great job on the weekend. Uh, Kevin, you've been playing with Ben for quite a, quite a few years. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your interaction. I knew Ben, the guy. He also sucks. He actually got and and our first couple of games were like in ten tap, and he's just like, well, cool. Yeah, and you hugged, hugged like ever how, since. So, uh, like how I know I phrased it a little bit earlier before the show started. Ben Jurek is a jerk in a really sweet Gengar shirt because he wears that Gengar shirt every single event, <laughs> and it's freaking amazing. So look at it. So just yeah. I was going to say, congratulations to Ben. I've been working at it for quite some time. And as we uh, kind of spoiler a little bit alert, this may put him at uh, number one among work factions. See. Yeah, that's going to be a, a bike surely to ride in on nice and hot going to LVO. Yeah. So, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about your list. Last time we, you and I spoke, you were running an Ultramarines with, with Gulliman. How does that compare to your Leagues of OTAN list? And what was kind of the thought process in building the army? B-Man, B-Man nowadays isn't that basic like chapter stratagems and everything that doesn't synchronize like rely on the double tap or double tapping now they only have Rotan just out outperforms them dramatically weights of fire that but instead of automatically hit so what was the thought process building the army that you brought the thought process uh i got three boxes and i want to play votan <laughs> <laughs> so literally this is what you had available <laughs> exactly <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah, it was all about spite too because Ben and Josh were like, hey, you should play Votan. 
and I'm like, I don't. And they're like, hey, we got two more boxes. You can run eight to play, but get some. You gotta love it when your book of grudges starts out with the people who are trying to sell you the boxes. They're just like, screw these guys. <laughs> I'm I'm actually the one who sold them the boxes first, and then they are like, here's the bikes. Build me the bikes. <laughs> and just paint it for me so I can play it later. All right, so that's it's a weird reverse grudge token. Okay, <laughs> right. But uh, the, uh, it's about stacking. Get as it's like uh, Eldari generically better. Interesting. So it's actually close to Halo Doom. Okay, pretty cool. It helps picture it. Yep. So for those of you that are following at home, the initial list is quite literally. I would, like literally 60 Hearthkin Warriors and 18 Pioneer Bike, a regular call, a high call, and a nine here champion. If I'm reading this all right there, Kevin, that's so it's there's double ups of every single special weapon that you can find in the Hearthkin with the L7s and the Magna Rails, and they all have the special equipment. So every single one of them ignores the first fields, ignores the first wound on a failed save, and they all have the well. Most of them have the Magna Rail Rifles. It looks like you maybe had to cut one for points. but Right. Like, I had to cut one out just to get it in. I feel like the Rotary Cannon generically better than hit nine shots. It's better than that one. Yeah, because mathematically, with the Pioneer units, if it was just a unit of three, that's six of the smaller shots and then nine of the larger shots, if I remember the the data sheet right. That's right. So then on these six-man squads, you literally just double up all of that, and you just go, all right, cool. Here's a bucket for you. Here's a bucket for you. And here's a bucket for you. And they all make 12 inch game, 12 inch pregame moves because they can. Yep. So they're just generically fast and feel like one of the fastest right, that can like rival. Yeah. I think the only thing faster than them is literally nothing because these guys have the accelerated keyword. So they automatically advance. Is it six or 12 inches? I forget. Uh, the- they will automatically advance, and when you use a stratagem, they automatically advance. That's the stratagem I'm thinking of that makes them go 12, because I remember the funny joke is you just take your Iron Here champion and just go, I want you to advance 12 inches that way. Yep. <laughs> and you just throw him somewhere. Basically, YOLO him into it, and he basically never die in last. Yeah. Because the rest of the army but... is pretty slow still, if I remember right. So is that just kind of the game plan, sit on those objectives, get, get shot off, and then sh- shoot back? Or was it more of a... More sneaky, we're going to dominate one side of the board and use... Ter- uh, the way I, I play bikes, very aggressive, and have the other two back, so I can my other bikes, because they have dramatic amounts of damage. And then I have the sixes as an enemy man unit, as a my one of my chapter master reroll chapter, and, and if I get the same thing. Wow, okay. All right, and then one of the things we were trying to figure out is secondaries that you were taking, and you kind of gave us a little bit of a hint on that. Tell us a little bit more about your choices of secondary mission. Uh, Mission. Throughout, I pick Process of Wealth is basically a must-take for my army. He has, well, basically makes core units do an action and still be able to fire the a objective and have the bike eject free game do an action. And then second, I is Wrath. Ancestors Wrath, I just kill units that have, and if they have at least three tokens, I get, but it's also a gamble too. Like, if my opponent has any of the game, I start that. It's it's because it's you have, it make that has, but you act if they're alive at the end of the game. Huh. Like, for instance, Tyranids, Grey Knights, because Grey Knights do tons of actionids that have tons of other actions, such as the bio second. So your opponent has a lot of agency on what your score is for that one. Exactly. And that's with and second. It basically dictates what you have to do to get my last three games. I pick which your opponent plays the objective count. And if I hold at the end, of, I get five points. 
and if I don't get it, I get zero. It's like it's basically all or nothing. I'm able to kill my my ground and pen. Yeah, like reading over both lay claim and prospects of wealth, those are the two objectives that the as the Votan pilot, you have agency over those, and your opponent can't really do anything about it. Outside of lay claim, where your opponent places that can stop. That's what Demon's player did. Uh, he just sat on the objective, and I can't do my action. Yeah, and you're round six against Matthew Gayer. Yeah, uh, he played everything correctly because it's not him controlling the objective. It's him on the objective. I cannot do the action. It just stops me from doing anything. Yeah, it's uh, like no agency is the best that you can ever get. So your opponent having a little bit of agency to stop you allows play to exist. But they're also committing like, oh, hey, you're on that objective and I need to be all the way over there so that way you don't prospect. Right. So they throw a unit over there which then eat it, and they have to continue that process every turn, which some people don't have an issue with, but some armies can't do that effect. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about each of the games here. So round one, you're up against uh, Ryan Mead and his demon army. Tell me a little bit about that game. Uh, that went actually because based as, as they stuff at, he basically dropped flamers in, flame, I countered it by everything else, and then advanced one out. My has has I don't know how to say the name, but it's a relic that allows rain and give a twelve inch deep strike denial. Ooh, like like a so, no, so wow. Nobody from reserves or reinforcements within twelve. Exactly. Oh, oh, the the warp strike. Yep. Yeah, those are I do uh, not like those. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, that kind of zone denial would be huge against something like demons or. Jukari or even Eldar, because if you use the stratagem to throw it onto a big brick of guys, I believe the aura emanates off of the entire unit if you give it to a normal unit, like giving a special relic space. Yeah, that, okay, I thought not the. It's essentially put it on a kid and that entire. Yeah, so you slap that onto a unit of five Einhears, and you. I'm pretty sure they're going to be on like 40 millimeter bases or 32s. And you just go two inches, two inches, two inches, two inches, and now you have effectively an infiltrator unit that has a two-up armor save and minus one damage. <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking from the demon's perspective, that is like, you know, that is your rule. You know, that's that's the whole reason you play the army is be able to use your uh, focus po focal points and then be able to deep strike off your characters. Nope, sorry, can't do that. Oh, that'd be brutal. So I'm I'm actually curious about this, Kevin, playing into Bellacor. Obviously, the Judgment Tokens bypass a lot of Bellacor's issues where he's like minus one to hit and minus one to wound and all this other crazy stuff. But did, um, was it actually, do you think if that rule existed for more than just Votan, would Bellacor ever be on the table? Can get picked up by, they basically and after, if any jazz, they can actually, if any other army, it would do it. I back a game, have. That's fair. Because I know the fact that I believe he also has the Warp Locust ability, which lets a lot of demons deep strike on him. So yeah, it's getting rid of a teleport hub, essentially. But I don't think we'll ever see something like that pop up army-wide outside of Laz Guns and Votan and then like specific... Alright, so round two against Mike McTire in his Blood Angels. This would be a, a, a plethora of Sangre Guard and uh, Death Company and Vanguard vets. So... Tell me about this game. Abandoned, which base bats the death company relies on pre-game move just to do damage. And he has a ton of implementing. In this mission, it's just dramatic and playing on the field-based terrain set. Little hype. I did, and it actually, I had to snag the objective to get up. And I ha tried to hire the base I by and my uh, champ, because I forgot uh, Bloody Banner. Uh, yeah, so someone snuck in there and went, nope, dwarf head's mine. 
Bonk. Yep. Uh, the game actually just played out. End up saying that if they were out, I would have just ran up and strike them, try to strike charge my bikes, and and he failed, and, they, and it was pretty much game. Yeah, because that Sanguinary Guardian is now sitting out in the wind, and you just turn the 20-man squad backwards and go, hi, and even having a two-up save isn't going to save you from that many dice. Right, and at that point, I still had all 18 bikes staring at Oof. All right, round three against Dominic Grove in a interesting Grey Knight list. I was, it's not your usual... Uh... Uh, what's it called? The Dread Knight uh, spam that we normally see. There's a lot of infantry in this particular. Yeah, yeah. yeah there is a single baby carrier against his. Uh, I was I interrogation. I did other than like he he did tell me that if I I t against his game, I basically hid behind the L on a chaos but I basically inches around or touching, and I did five more. And I shot. I basically shot his. Baby came with a uh, Magnarill, but he teleported mm -hmm. behind my bikes that hasn't. And I just, well, I had one unit of bikes shot, and I had the other bike. So he has, he has another thing that actually got me the game, shot my bike. Uh, he killed two of my bikes. However, I spent, I used a strategy, reactive fire. After he fired, fired my entire unit gets a fire back. And I just baby carriage at that. And that stratagem specifies before you remove the models. When after allocating wounds, they all get to shoot. Checking. So after I, I the entire unit, because if it's if it allows the entire six man unit to shoot and then you remove the models, kind of like a fight on death situation. That stratagem is nutty. Oh. If it's if it's you, right. if you, I, and mm -hmm. then I shoot it. So. Okay, it's still nutty, but it's not as nutty. <laughs> right. Like it's still it is, but it's not because of go your next shooting phase attack. Next turn, I basically objective and just do an action. They can't shoot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the game basically ended top of I just I basically Yeah, shooting into gray knights and stuff like that with that many bullets and picking up because I'm assuming in your first turn you were able to chew through his entire paladin squad. Uh no, I didn't touch the paladin. I had three magna rail guns staring at at him and they both have as at high oh yeah so they were just gonna die to magna rails yeah um i was fortunate enough that one of the magna rails had a six and he and he failed to save any uh five damage it just and he had one guy left. Mm, okay so it was the, it sounded like the normal gray knight issue of you picked up a good chunk of their army they didn't have a lot left to actually come back and play the game so at that point you got to just table them turn two and you got to play solitaire for three more rounds <laughs> that is gosh all right uh next game is against scott rumple and his space wolves and uh looking at this a uh, bunch of infiltrators but a whole bunch of wolf guard and a whole bunch of wolfen as well as uh three eliminator squads haven't seen those in quite some time we had a uh, two lance feeder type which actually random yeah the, because of the fact that you have one multi melt on the normal land speeder, then you have the tornadoes with each of them an assault cannon and a multi melta. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six melta shots. And then the prospect of, hey, here's a whole bunch of wolf guard and here's a whole bunch of wolf, and they all really, really hurt. <laughs> they they hurt a lot. So what happened in that match was actually scary for me. Like even though I got like it looked like I was not even come back. He had base directly nine inch and I deployed right on oh, I need to get essentially buying a land spear typhoon and incursors shooting and and picked up at five bikes I, yeah he picked up five bikes as a uh, I essentially filled every save against so that was really bad for what else is really bad was 
I didn't after I could get away from instead I had to pull the bikes back, wait for him to come out. And on my turn one, I and and with his entire that failed a six that and he had yeah, ten wolfen and his smash cap charged in and of my ten man I still have my twenty man dads and like eight bikes and with those eight bikes I was able to pick up a man, go back and shot. Uh, I killed the captain with Magnar with AP5, and I shot the other set, just failed their six. Yeah, so another situation of, well, <laughs> you got your tail out in the wind, and um, someone's in line to get neutered was would be what you would say to a pup. Yep. So <laughs> that was... It sounded like a really rough start with him picking up five bikes and then you not being able to get rid of the infiltrator and the incursor squads. But uh, obviously the amount of shooting paired into uh, lucky failed charges and stuff like that. A melee army is now in your face, so you don't have to move and you literally just get to shoot them for free. Like optimal situation for something that rolls buckets of dice like Votan does. All right, so 4-0 so far on the weekend. We get into round five against Scott LaFontaine, and it looks like uh, Leviathan's huge blocks of warriors who recently got uh, downgraded a bit with the new balance sheet, but uh, that was not in play yet. So tell me a little bit about this game. Line of sight, not that percent. Got the very not viable, and he got a lucky advance, advance and he made the shot, 10 and they both basically then he charged another 10 man squad that was essentially them tagged one of my units and just hid in the and I just sent my in I an inch away from on my turn. I had to dedicate my bike to Lion Sight, clean up. There were about four up and five of cattle, five up in normal. I'm not too sure, but it was a lot of save. Yeah, it it sounds like you were shooting into the, the four up in Vuln strat plus catalyst, which is the five up field, no pain. And yeah, that's just yeah, not was, a fun time. It was just like, yeah, I needed, I had to roll more dice and I didn't. On his turn two, his psychic phase popped off, dealing it, and he rolled max damage and high retirement. He essentially just walked, smited me, and then, and I was left with two bite, five captain, and, and on my turn two, I just, and the high retirement, and at that point, it was just game. I just get killed. He has a tear, and another nine man was in my face. Yeah, it. It, that was that sounds like one of those games where literally everything that could go wrong just went wrong. Maximum shots, maximum damage, successful long bomb charges, and all this other stuff. Just it sounded like Scott had a a very lucky streak. Yeah, he got he got real lucky. at like your damage, damage. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about this matchup uh, over the weekend before gameplay, and I was thinking, you know, Votan with the, the way the judgment tokens work, you're bypassing all the uh, Leviathan uh, transhuman stuff. So this should be a good matchup, but it's interesting. You didn't think the other way around is that they, how much damage that Leviathan list puts out. And uh, so it's interesting to hear how the, the game had a very different feel. Yeah. I had in that match, essentially they have like the amount of movement that my like vote against fast, like that's no hands fast. So can likely win the second. The right. uh, it, it was one of those things of just, when when the Votan movement was shown to be only five inches across almost the entire army, that was an instant flag of, well, if your army moves at least seven inches, you're going to outpace Votan almost the entire game because they can only move up to eight, and that's your minimum movement on an advance. So you'll be able to outpace them and touch objectives faster than they will, and you'll be able to draw better lines to shoot them 
than they will. So I guess that's the that's where the initial trade off that people were like, oh yeah, but they're a slow army, actually shows its face of. Okay, Tyranids run forward, charge forward, they hit you, and you haven't even left your deployment zone. You're and you're just upside down, going, uh, what? Yep, that's that's what that was literally my reaction of, oh, you have that's very bad. Wow, that's really it's very very interesting because it's yeah, it's one of those things where we there's been a lot of speculation about this, and and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, Kevin. Is what's it really look like on the tabletop? And uh, that so that speed could have been a, a, a is indeed a factor. With this particular army. All right. So let's get into last round of the tournament. Uh, Matthew Geyer and his another demon list this time around. This, this, everything. So I did second turn. I don't, I, my opponent went, uh, uh, he did not get shot. I, quotes, did, I just ran up, uh, actually teleported three flames. One of my, um, after shooting and morale, I only had, on my first turn, I shot those guys. I rest stratagem that this brings back back. If you have a medipack, so I had ten uh, the midfield and right call, twelve inch deep strike denial, putting out a n- and then a four man unit of kin, and I won because I will get my precious artifact. So I charged, he fired, and I feel- and then I did no damage to him in my in my fight phase, and he proceeded to pick up like with- and after that, that entire flank was exp- and then he teleported the core inch right his uncle there with with five on the other side that I was actually covered with the 10, ten man stop uh Scarbrand, uh Scarbrand mix and then make the bikes uh like four bikes but my champion was right next to me. but then he cast a spell that makes my champion fights last so he's like he's near useless again Scarbrand picks up a unit brand tags so I can't fall back go back in my I I give I can shoot Bellacor and and I was blessed to test I I can't kill him I can't do anything champion flamer uh after with 15 bites and Bellacor was down to after all shooting and everything. so that was just very bad for and then after I Scarbrand Scarbrand uh, and, and that and that mine uh, I had Scarbrand and Bellacor and I was hitting 60 attacks and Brand gives me plus one attack so I hit him by around the upper how many auto wounds I did and he, what oh my god yep and he just slapped me back and all the things I needed dead, nothing actually. And after champion charged in and essentially killed the flame on his, basically I failed to kill big things that I need. I can have that run around set up, three big things. Wow. I'd forgotten about the uh, scar brand yet. Uh, auto, no fallback. And I think there's also some sort of thing where there's um, no morale fails or something like that. Yeah, it's like, uh, no, no, it's for scar brand. It's everyone within a certain range gets additional attack regardless of who of who owns that you automatically pass morale checks and you cannot fall back yeah those are the three buffs that scarbrand just goes i'm here you're going to fight me. and you're not failing morale you're not getting away yep scarbrand is going to hit you on the head to teach you a lesson and that lesson is going to be like flat four damage or something on his axe it's really yep. wow so what a question comes up is um Everyone was joking. You were playing with half a codex, knowing that the pre-orders have gone up, and the rest of the units are coming out. What are you going to splash into your army? Well, I made like and me and my. Co- I like the champ. I I feel like he's too much a random cap match. I am counter uh, and and the battle bus. It's like one of the best things in the codex besides bike. Here's my current list that I was. It's going to be a relic staff. A high co- and one magnet with axe, bikes with full work gear and sagittar, and a heck of a magnet. I did sell them a relic so staff, so I can do action, cast his eyes for the high co- and have. That's quite a bit there. So, 
what do you think was probably missing the most from what you had so far from this weekend? Melee. Yeah. I had z- basically any high volume attacks. Not high, but high melee. Essentially punching space. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, looking at the stat line. Yeah, because when you when you think about like for instance that uh, the Tyranid matchup. Okay, you made the charge into me. You didn't go anywhere. Well, now I counter charge you with the Berserks, and I remove that piece that made it into me, and now I can exactly cool. And if I had in like it would have changed most of my game. I could just things that happen in Space Wolves matchup and the Fab made like I didn't care if we're deaf because I would, and then you have to if you're a melee army, it's I'm gonna swing back on death after attack. Yeah, the same mentality as Creation of Biles does. Oh, you're taking me? Well, I'm taking you down also. No. So you. You trade a unit of berserks for something more important, and maybe even your berserks don't die. Yeah, like they're just random, like, and especially being having that percent survival is, and then the five up handing. All right, some more to see as things go along. Uh, looking at, a, at the ITC standings, they have not been updated to include uh, SoCal, so they're the same as last week. So we'll skip that for this week and go review them again next week. Uh, one thing I forgot to go over in our um, news was <laughs> we also got a new balanced data slate over the week. <laughs> um, oh, oh, we we got we one got of those? one of those. Um, Are you sure? Um, well, <laughs> sort of. And um, so, yeah, I guess I kind of got my next question. What are you guys' thoughts on the balanced data slate that kind of was uh, a little lacking? Well, in my opinion, the the Harlequin stuff, okay. You're you're hitting a subfaction of Harlequins harder that's already been touched, which I mean, anything that messes to hit rolls and stuff like that naturally is a little silly sometimes. But <laughs> I didn't bother reading through that because whenever I see Harlequins, they're usually in base to base contact with me and I'm pulling the model off the table already. So I'm a little biased. Um, as for Tyranids, the fact that they went, OK, the monsters get the full transhuman treatment because that's what Leviathan is. It's monster. And then everything else gets the mini transhuman of threes or better, as long as they're in range of a synapse monster, which I believe is the other half of the tree. So you're not having to deal with transhuman warriors on the consistent basis. Now. What do you think would have affected Kevin's game? What do you think of that? Honestly, didn't matter already. Like, yeah, it's, Honestly, didn't matter in my game and having transhuman at all. It like like if I was playing, let's say Blood Angels, because they're my second, it would have mattered. I don't. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a in every situation where an army does not automatically wound a target on a certain number, the the transhuman hit against Leviathan amazing because now you can actually have an army like knights, for instance, where most of our guns are strength six or strength seven, shooting into a warrior unit instead of picking up one or two, we now pick up three or four because we now actually wound more. One thing I was a bit surprised, uh, Necrons, um, well, I was not surprised that Silent King and um, Vehicles lost core and then finally got swing, no longer resurrecting weird stuff like that. But I can't believe their secondaries didn't get touched. I was just blown away. It was only the character vehicles to Oscar. Basically the command, command barge. barge yeah. and okay. Stuff like that. True. okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, command barge and the king. So Doomsday Arcs are still core. Yeah. <laughs> Not that anyone ever sees them, because all you ever see is destroyers. But yeah. I do like Space Marine Chain. Like it's really good. Getting more that, Yeah, they they changed um, I believe it was Shock Tech. Yeah. That one extra that doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Like 
I've never seen anyone in Space Marines take Shock Tactic because I have only played like one Space Marine player in five months. Yeah, I wasn't as thrilled about it. Maybe I'm just missing the bigger picture because most of the Space Marine armies I played are assault based anyway. So it's like they were all assault ones get better. Um, if you're an Iron Hands or a Crimson Fist player, you're still kind of like sitting waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, like you'll rather pick your faction Battlefield Supreme Tactics. I think Shock Tactics, but uh, it's under Blood Angel ever take that one yeah in most in most marine armies that we see nowadays there are better secondaries in those categories than shock tactics and then you mentioned a little earlier um Astro, excuse me admac blowing uh bellicor off the table this got a little bit easier uh any restrictions any nerfs that came out earlier yeah often redacted so enriched rounds is back and corbell astari and everything else which Okay, yeah, it's nice to see Admech going back up to almost unnerfed status. Like, yeah, points increases have happened, and they're going to stay that way. But, I mean, it's still... <laughs> yeah, it, their second, I also play Admech, like, none of their second step eradicate that, but take at least a ton of Strider. Make sure. Yeah, it's the, issue, it's the same kind of issue with Tyranids, where the book itself is super efficient, and is super powerful but their secondaries are atrocious, which brings them down into the same playing field as everyone else. But then you can take all the normal secondaries and it doesn't matter. Yeah. What's the crazy secondary that Admech have? You have to hold the objectives in a certain order. It's about that, and you hold it at the end of the battle. And if you control the end of the battle round, you get your butt if you're not using it. Yeah, like there was one friendly game where I had with a, a newer player that walking him through the secondary he took that one and yeah he held his first one he held his second one but then on turn three i had a whole bunch of virtus praetors on his third objective and i'm just like yeah no now you need to come over here to get four and this is where i'm standing so he only got four points it's not their other second either because you have that has it's a certain amount that you have to kill just to get yeah it's just not that strong, so it's as interesting because I'm still looking at the the Necron ones are just so powerful, and then you get these that are so bad. It's just like there was some opportunities here that's done. So oh well, um, two months left to the season. We'll see what the new uh, season will bring when it comes to uh, hopefully a new mission packet in January. Yep, and I know our our friend Don Houston has hinted at one thing that could potentially be true at the next warhammer fest which i think is in december like it's War warhammer fest 23 or something like that no i thought i heard that it was in april oh either way whenever it is at warhammer fest 23 is when they're going to preview whatever tenth yeah looking at the the release schedules if you know the rest of the votan stuff is up for pre-order then after that the guard codex and all this new stuff that means Q1 for is going to be pretty light. You just basically have world eaters and all this boarding action stuff. So that's then what's after that? Is that, is that when the cliff falls over and we go with the 10th edition? I'm not sure, but timing seems right. Yeah, it's there's a whole bunch of stuff that is going to potentially happen. And at this point, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with 10th edition rolling around now because it's just going to be another edition for me. I'm still going to play the same armies and it'll probably make me angry a little bit, but I'll adjust. Most players should. It'll adjust me some. I'd be man... Uh, to get rebalanced into ninth edition, so I can play this outshine by everyone. Yeah, I know there was when I was playing orcs for last season. I had a buddy who had Gilliman on the table, and I put Gasgol and 
they sat there for two turns punching each other. Gazgol eventually won because, you know, <laughs> he's Gazgol. Yeah. But yeah, G Man needs it. I feel like he like something. Yeah, it seems like the Primarchs in general all kind of lack something a little bit. So I just know I'm getting the Angron model because he's super cool looking. He's going to be big. He's going to be pretty. <laughs> Run all three bass. I'll never do that. Don't, don't, don't speak heresy to me like that. Shame on you. <laughs> all right. But uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, I guess the last question I think every has is, so are Votan broken? Um, All my, they were getting in of getting shot. Um, But if you just out the army to interact with Votan, like if they pick any secondaries, such as Grudge Match, Lake, Lake Claim, Ancestor's Wrath, deny this by just sitting, like just out with objectives, just don't get, like they're broken in the shooting phase, but their movement, they're lacking it. They're lacking bike speed. Yeah, it. It is very much the thing of you get rid of their mobility that you remove them from the game essentially because right. they're not fast enough to get to the other half of the table without advancing. That's right, and if they're advancing, they're not shooting. They can't be very cool. So, anything else to add, gentlemen, before we wrap things up tonight? I mean, I'm going to be rooting for for Ben Jurek to to take the entire walk up home because <laughs> yeah, he again. Again, congratulations, Ben, on winning SoCal. That is no small feat going undefeated. And let alone, I caught that Tau matchup. That Tau matchup was silly. Oh my god, that was. <laughs> that, was that was. I saw the table. He had like Amanda, and he's like, "Oh, I won by a." Yep, that was an insane game. It was it was round three? He won eighty-seven to eighty-six. Because the guy playing Tau and going into assault. That was he playing Farsight, right? Uh, no, he was playing. Yeah, he had Long Strike, but I don't. I don't think he had any other named characters because I know he had the three three double fish in there because long strike and then two other. So yeah, no, I watched a good chunk of that game and it was like, oh hey, <laughs> Tao is in a corner. Tao's still in a corner. Tao slipped the noose. Oh my god, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's all I got to end at the end of the podcast. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. It was wonderful to have you and provide the insight. For having you out, talk about this too. Like it feels good just. Talking about I think we all learned quite a bit from this and some real tabletop experience. And uh, so my name's Eric. I'm Raymond. I'm Robert. Thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. (laughs) 